1: My name is Ryan Stacey and welcome to the Hockey Minds podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Jimmy McGrory, the general manager of the Muskegon Lumberjacks. Jimmy is a down-to-earth hockey guy who provides a ton of insight, having been a manager, coach, scout, and even a high-tier hockey parent. The stories and perspectives throughout the interview are intriguing, and hopefully people enjoy the conversation as much as I did. With that, here is Jimmy McGrory, the General Manager of the Muskegon Lumberjacks. Today we're joined by Jimmy McGrory, the General Manager of the Muskegon Lumberjacks. Jimmy thanks for joining the podcast yeah
0: thanks so much I really appreciate you having me on uh you know I know you and I have talked for a bit and then uh just having me on today is I'm real excited
1: yeah for sure um as you said we kind of had a brief conversation here before and uh it's one of those situations where maybe we didn't know each other before now but um you know I think we're gonna have fun here talking about hockey and anytime you can kind of elaborate on your career and and, you know share some insight I'm sure it's a, a fun part on your end too so uh, let's get right into it. How about you tell us a little bit about yourself, including where you grew up and your involvement in sports throughout your youth?
0: Uh, I grew up in Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. I played hockey AAA in Mississauga area for the Raps, and then uh, went and played juniors uh, with Streetsville Derbies. And then I uh, had a different path. You know, I think everybody, uh, like I said, you it is a different path, and and. The way I took it uh, and w- where I'm at today is uh, I would never have thought I'd be here today, um, but my dad died when I was younger, right? So um, so didn't really have a father figure to kind of help me with everything going through this. And so when that happened, uh, scholarship, OHL, didn't know any decisions, and I ended up bypassing both and just playing juniors and went and played pro hockey. And then pro hockey, I got into coaching.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. And I'm I'm sorry to hear about that about your dad. But, um, you know, I'm sure as we go through your career, you've obviously made some great decisions. Um, you know, if, if maybe you didn't go the OHL route and whatever direction you ultimately did take, uh, you ended up being pretty successful with it. Uh, looking at your pre- playing career just a little bit, uh, you played hockey for a number of seasons in junior and then you went on to various uh, pro leagues, even making a stop in Austria. Uh, touch on your playing career as a whole, and maybe how your experience was on the ice before, you know, making the transition to hockey operations.
0: Well, playing junior hockey was great. I would, you know, being from Mississauga, and playing for the Streetsville Derbies. I was kind of like a hometown place, so family came friends and all could come watch. And then all of a sudden I uh, went and tried out, uh, actually was Philadelphia Flyers camp, went to Hershey, and then ended up playing the East Coast League for a bit. what happened was I, what I realized in the East Coast League, like a lot of the players on my team were better than the American hockey league team. So I figured that I wouldn't uh, get the ice time that I wanted. So I went back to play juniors again. I went to BC, which was a great opportunity going out to Vernon, playing for the Vernon Lakers. I uh, had never been out to British Columbia before. If you've ever been there, what a great spot. Uh, and then my hockey took me to the United States uh, for the next eight to nine years and then I had a little pit stop in Kitzbühel uh, in Austria and just what a beautiful country that was. Um, honestly, I don't know why I ever came back. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. I, you know, you always, you miss home and the food's different and things like that. But my place that I, I'd i wake up in the morning and I come outside and, and there's the water, there's the mountains. Like it was unbelievable. I had a couple of roommates. Uh, our, our rink was outdoor. Uh, it was just so much fun there uh but i ended up coming back and it worked out good and i ended up uh, in uh east coast back to the U- united hockey league so i kind of I, I would say i was a suitcase <laughs> you know just went from league to league and just kind of enjoyed it and you know what the biggest thing was i enjoyed it i loved it and had fun and was be able to have uh to have the opportunity to play hockey for a living was great and it's not like you're making a lot of money you know, you're just enjoying the time and buying time and then before you actually get into the real world. So it was awesome.
1: Yeah, I think anytime you can, you know, continue playing the game, uh, it's, you know, it's a great thing to do. And then at the same time, uh, while well, you said maybe a suitcase, uh, you know, as as a as your career prolonged, uh, one good thing is you got to see many places. Uh, BC is beautiful. I've been there and I've been able to see some of the sites there, but Austria and in various places in the US, you know, these are experiences that you know, without hockey, you might not have the opportunity to go to these uh, different locations and meet these different people and play on the outdoor rinks like you did in Austria. So that's great to hear that you had a positive experience and were able to, um, you know, play in various leagues and be successful at it. Um, So in 2003, you became an assistant coach with the River City Lancers of the USHL. How did you gain that position? And then maybe talk about your initial experience as a coach uh, in that league.
0: So uh I actually was a coach before so I was with the Omaha Lancers so that was that was crazy back then they went from Omaha to River City back to Omaha and we played in three different rinks in 5 years uh it was a great experience and things like that but it's a, it's a crazy story so my mentor John Oliver he I played for him playing in uh California in Fresno and he kind of helped me you know he was kind of like a father figure for me Uh, in in my 20s and kind of helped me out a lot. And so what happened was I, my last year that I was playing, I met my wife, Cindy in Asheville, North Carolina. And so we ended up moving to, I ended up moving to uh, North uh, Nebraska. And so we actually tried to, I tried to manipulate her to come to Toronto and move here. But it was way too big. She's from a town of 5,000 people. And so I said, hey, I'll try uh, Omaha, Nebraska. And she's actually from a town of 5,000, which they call Blair, Nebraska. And so what happened was I would go to the rink every day and they had three teams that UNL, Nebraska, Omaha, they had the Lincoln Stars, and they had uh Omaha Lancers. And I'm like, I couldn't believe how many teams were actually in the state of Nebraska. I've never been there, I've been on the outside, California, been in North Carolina, Texas, and all the big states, right? And so I'm like, I got to try to get on this job with all my Lancers. So Mike Hastings, uh, Coach Hastings, was a coach at the time. And so I would call him. I'd call him again. And I kept calling him. And it went on for about three months. And so I, I reached out to John Oliver. He said, hey, you know how you do it? You just go down to the rink. He can't avoid you. I said, oh, okay. So this is why I talk to John Oliver every day. So John had talked to Coach Hastings. I go down to the rink. I asked where Coach Hastings was, and it was actually him. And so, oh, wow. and yeah, so it was pretty cool. And uh, and so old barn, exarban uh, Arena, one of the best, you know, one of the best atmospheres you could ever play in the game of hockey. And so what he said is, what do you want to do? And I said, I'll do anything for you. And I said, he goes, you want to take stats? Come to our game tonight. So took stats. We ended up, uh, this happened in January. I went to the NIA April and we lost in the Clark Cup finals in game five to Sioux City Musketeers. And then what happened was the next year, I obviously must've did a pretty good job because he asked to hire me on. So then, so I was in Omaha for five years. And uh, then after five years, my wife took a job in Lincoln and we moved to Lincoln. And so it worked out perfect that Steve Johnson was our neighbor and he was the head coach of Lincoln. So instead of commuting back and forth from Omaha to Lincoln or Lincoln to Omaha, he de- I decided that, hey, you know what, maybe this could be a good opportunity. And so we ended up, uh, I talked to Steve Johnson and uh, ended up taking a job with Lincoln. And a year later, I become head coach GM. So yeah it's pretty cool. Just just the path, just how things work out. How if there's any advice I can give uh any any uh, upcoming coaches or people who want to be a hockey player. Just if you want it, you got to go get it. It's not going to sit there. There's so many people that want the same
1: job, the same opportunity. The go getter usually goes and gets it. Yeah, I think that's a great point, and it's definitely a, a story of uh you know you really just going and get it, going down to the arena and, and going face to face with the guy and. Um, It obviously worked out very well for you. You know, you started doing stats and then moved into coaching. And then you touched on the uh, transition to Lincoln as a head coach and later as a GM. Um, Maybe touch on the added responsibility uh, in those roles, you know, with the management position as well. And then just talk about the time in Lincoln as a whole and maybe going to that organization after, you know, being in Omaha and, and places like that.
0: Well, at that time in the league, Omaha, every team in the league is great. You know, the USHL is a great league. They obviously develop a lot of great players that go on to Division one for college, 95%, even plus, right? And guys that go to the NHL. But at that time, Omaha and Lincoln were two of the better teams in the league. Everybody wanted to play there. Um, uh, Omaha would get five to 6,000 fans. Lincoln would sell out and get 5,000. It's the biggest rivalry going on in hockey. And uh, so... I have got to get it. I got to give a lot of credit to coach Hastings. Like when you come out of hockey as a player, you don't really, you think you know how to coach, but you really don't. If you think you do, I think you're, you're crazy because it's such a big transition because uh, to, to, you, even the best players in the world don't always become great coaches. And so I couldn't have had a better opportunity to be with one of the best coaches around. Like he coached the world juniors. He's at Mankato, Coach of the Year. He's brought that program back to, uh, you know, one of the top five programs in the country. And so I didn't really become a good coach or understand how to coach until probably after year two and going into my year three. And then he gave me a lot of responsibilities, like running practices, doing a lot of little things that he was preparing me for my next step. That's what he was doing. And so I'm so thankful for the opportunity that he gave me. And then the opportunity to go to Lincoln and Steve Johnson and, and Mike Haston, two of the best coaches in junior hockey, but yet they were polar opposite type of style of play. So not only to learn from Mike and then learn from Steve, I was, I had the best of both worlds. And then for, unfortunately that for the Lincoln stars, Steve Johnson stepped down and took some time away from hockey and, I felt that the Lincoln Stars felt that I did a good enough job to come in and take over. Um, was there more responsibility? There always is, right? You you got trades. You got to go out and find the, the the right guys to to build the right culture. Everything with the hockey team starts with culture. Starts with the locker room. Good kids, good parents, good people, and then you got the housing, families, and then you got the road trips, and and so a lot of it, like everybody wants to be a hockey coach and a gm well only a little bit is really hockey it's a lot of outside stuff that you, that you got to be prepared for and understand and and it really teaches a lot about life and because you're dealing with 20 to 25 different teenagers and they're actually like your own child and they're they're your own kid and so i think that was such a big responsibility that when they dropped off their son that it was important that when they came here, they were as good a man or better when they left, not only academically, but socially, and even better hockey players. And so I think it taught me a lot to understand not only about hockey, but also about life.
1: Yeah, those are so many uh, great points you made there. Um, Two themes that tend to come up a lot of times when talking with executives for the podcast uh, culture being probably the biggest one that you can't have a successful team, no matter, you know, what skill level or, or what abilities you have without that right culture in place. And then um, at the same time in a management role, everybody just assumes the trades and the, the signing and everything is, is the end of the job. But a lot of it, like you said, is outside of hockey, the billet families, the academics and, and all these different things and just making sure that people are comfortable enough to, you know, succeed in your team and, and whatever, uh, you know, role the player is or even coaches, management, etc. cetera. Um, another interesting experience uh, that you were involved in um, aside from USHL work uh, was your time with TPH. Uh, touch on the experience of working with that program and discuss some of the differences in working there, um, you know, outside of a regular team ex- team situation like you were before.
0: Yeah. You know what? TPH was uh probably a refresher in my life you know like I coached four or five years in Omaha I was in Lincoln for eight years so total I was in Nebraska for 13 years and to be able to step away from the coaching aspect and then get into the development side because the game had really evolved even while I was coaching but I uh, while I was coaching I missed it you know so it was good for me to take a take a little time away and TPH, Brandon Narado, you know, he played for me way back when uh, he started it up in Detroit. And obviously there's a long, like uh, Nathan Bowen and, uh, and uh, Tossel Safakidis, like they're, they're the guys who started it up and then down the South, but Brandon Narado was the big name in Detroit and it happened to run into him in the rink one day. And uh, it was so great to see him. And, and he was so thankful for, you know, you, you know, when you leave home as a hockey player, it's tough for guys to leave home. And he was one of those kids I felt that I was able to help because it was a tough ride for him and then ended, ended up getting a scholarship to Michigan. So he asked me, he said, hey, do you want to come work at TPH? I'm like, I don't even know what it is. Like, he said, come on out. I said, okay, let's go check it out. So I went out there and it was so cool. It was so awesome just to see where these kids were and how they want to get better. And it was just a hockey school, online hockey school, where they actually came to school and they did their room in a, or their, their work in a classroom. And then they go on the ice for an hour or two hours and then they get a workout. And uh, it was really neat because it was really a family atmosphere. And and it didn't matter if you were an eighth grader or if it was a, a senior in high school, uh, the senior treat, treated the eighth grader and taught him the way where the eighth graders just sat back and watched it. Um, But the skill development that I learned from Brandon and also him and I working together and Matt Lark that was there and a few other guys, it was such a refresher that not only for me, but my son was able to go there. And I feel that that helped him over his uh, progress while he was here in, in Michigan. And then we had a few we got like uh, Bodie Wilds. We got the Blake Jenkins, you know, we got the Krieger boys. So there's a lot of guys that were really good junior players and played Division One or OHL that were drafted to the NHL. So it was pretty cool to see the development of all these kids over the year and time, and now you're seeing the younger kids. Like Rucker was a young kid. Now he's the 4 and Hunter Verscavige and and a few of these other guys that are trying to follow the same path as these other guys. But I believe that every player now, uh, hockey, if you're not doing something extra, you're not getting ahead and you have to do it. If you want to play, you want to be, if you want to be one of the best, you have to do extra, you really do. Um, I feel that the brain for a young hockey player develops at a young age. And if you keep missing that window, then it starts closing on you. That development is really huge. And TPH did a great job for that.
1: Exactly. And uh, TPH is one of those programs that we haven't had the chance to talk about uh, so far on the podcast. So it's great to hear about your experience there. And um, like you said, just uh, in this day and age with hockey, there's uh, there's so much extra development that goes on uh, off of the ice and uh, TPH does a great job of, you know, in the classroom and getting the workouts in and things like that, that, really help the, uh, the kids, uh, develop overall, which will ultimately help their game moving forward and things like that. Um, another experience that you had, uh, is as a triple A coach, um, briefly discuss your time as a triple A coach and the task of, uh, coaching players, uh, in that minor hockey system and kind of preparing them for, uh, what lies ahead. You know what?
0: It was a, it was a big difference. It was an adjustment for myself coming from, um, junior hockey where you don't deal with parents, you know, just watching. I didn't have to deal with parents early and often. Uh, I worked with Coach Hamilton. He was the head coach, and I kind of helped out with the deal with Coach Hatcher and, and then ran practices with them. And then, But it is a big, big, important piece for these kids to have good coaching. It is because, like I said, their brain, as they get older, it starts closing up. And so the more information you can feed them and help them in certain situation, um, you always want to challenge them. You can't be afraid to challenge them. We, we think because they're young and they're not ready for it, well, they are ready for it. And I believe the biggest thing for these kids, and we were fortunate, I was fortunate enough to be part of that group, like the Cutter Goches and uh, Frankie Nazer, Max Nemensikoff. Like I can go on and on, like, Todd Corpy, Oak, like and if all that team stayed together, which was probably the best thing for all those kids to to split apart and kind of find their own niche and 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 what type of player and know that they can play on their own and they didn't need uh, you know, the best to play with the best. And so that group was a special group, that '04 4 group. And uh, and you see how many guys who got drafted to the OHL. Like even Owen Baker just got a scholarship. Zach P. Lack, uh scholarship. He's going to the OHL. Like I can go on and on with that team. Like it was fun to watch. Uh, like even Lane Hudson came into town. Hunter Brescavage. Like just such a great group. And what I loved about those kids was as soon as you threw that puck on the ice, it was a battle. It was like. That was my puck, and not only did they get better in practice, it, like their, their time in practices were probably harder than their times in the game because you did have so many talented players. So, like, the biggest thing with coaches, I think, at this level uh, of teaching youth hockey is really be involved, really help kids, like, challenge them. Like, don't do the same drills all the time. Do something different. Uh, you don't have to work on a structure like power play penalty kill and breakouts like do something else like work on rushes work on transition like work on down low play and things like that because
1: the sooner they learn that then it becomes natural when they get older yeah great points uh really strong points and you talk about that team and the names that you listed off uh you know it, it's almost like if you you want to be the best you got to beat the best and when you're practicing with that many high-skilled players uh you know zach and and max are two players that are uh committed to sarnia and it's uh it's pretty incredible to see the the amount of players that were on that roster and just you know they interact with each other it was almost uh almost like a, a number of riches on one one team there so a uh, great experience and i'm sure you were able to learn a lot uh, from them as well um maybe looking at things a little more specifically having experience as a triple a coach a uh, junior executive and recently as a hockey parent Uh, Touch on the crucial year that is the junior draft year and discuss some of the keys to working with players uh, during that year, specifically example, the communication with them, uh, keeping them focused and grounded and dealing with teams, you know, um, scouts, et cetera.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it's a really good question. I think too many, I, I think it's the parents. I think the parents really want the best. They've invested a lot in their kid um, I think sometimes they need to understand it's just take a back seat and just relax. If you're not drafted in the first round or 10th round or not drafted at all, it's not the end of the world. It really isn't like in the, but you want your kid to have success. You want to see him get rewarded by being drafted, but there's so many undrafted players that have had the opportunity to play juniors that are really good players. Like I had Ryan, Dezingle. I think we drafted him 18th round he's playing and he was playing in Ottawa now he's in Carolina like and he was a stud baseball player so it really doesn't matter where you're drafted but it is an important year where you got to be focused you got to start learning how to prepare and be ready for every single game because if you believe you're going to play juniors the next year it's a long way off. If, and if you're not preparing, you're not eating, you're not sleeping, you're not filling your body with fluids all the time, lots of water. Um, that's the biggest thing that you these players, because the top players at a younger age are still the top players. It doesn't mean the players that aren't there, they're still good players, right? They don't fall off. And and sometimes you know you got girlfriends and you got other thing. You know that can become a distraction but in Michigan and and seeing this 0-4 group and being part of it what a great group of kids like there's kids that didn't even get drafted that are going to be division one players that are going to play in the USHL and then who are going to have the opportunity to play in the NHL hopefully one day and so um, the one advice I would say to parents is enjoy the moment and joy every because it ends quick it really does because before you know it they're leaving home they're going to juniors they're going to college and then you don't have them anymore and and it was crazy uh the last time I actually dropped Rucker and Hunter off it was kind of funny I told them it was a roller hockey I go boys this is the last time I'm going to be able to drop you off at a rink right so so it was kind of funny but it was actually hit me. I was like, this is reality, (laughs) right? So, but, uh, and I believe everything starts earlier too. You know, it doesn't start in your U-15 or your midget year. It starts like 13, 14, 15, and you just got to
1: learn how to prepare and do things the right way. Yeah. A number of, again, great points for players and parents. Um, You know, there's so much excitement and and you know emotions in that draft year um, you know a, as I've been scouting in previous years and now with sarnia you know anytime you're you're in that atmosphere you know the tension when players are having a down you know down game or or the excitement when they're doing well and the parents and the agents and the reps and there's so many different people involved so um, sometimes it's definitely good to just take a step back and realize you know you have put in the work to get to this stage and enjoy it for what it is and it's kind of the same thing in hockey operations career uh sean LaFortune was one of those guys who said um, it's always great to get to that final destination but you also have to enjoy the path along the way so uh, great points for anybody to take in
0: and you you brought up a great point the the advisors the agents like when do i need one you know or do i need one and they are really important they are like certain players don't need them Certain players do Who do you go with? There's a lot of great uh, agencies out there. And so, and and when you do that, just do your homework. Like, is it the right person? Do I go with the big company? Do I go with the small one? Do I relate with them? You know, and and like at the end of the day, they, all of them are great at what they do, right? But you got to feel best where you fit with them is really important. Just like uh, not only the agency, but also uh, the team. Like, is the coach the right coach in my U 15 year? You know, am I going to get the opportunity uh, if I work hard? And so, because everybody wants to go to the best team. Well, it's not always the best team, right? And obviously, Honey Bake had what? Every player I think drafted, except maybe one or two. It's great. But also, like, Oakland had a few guys drafted, you know, and then uh, Jonah Egger just committed to St. Cloud. And then you have uh, Gavin Hayes and Abraham you know, that are first rounders. Like, so you got to go to a spot that's going to be best for you and, and where are going to get the opportunity?
1: For sure. Um, I, I think the major takeaway there is really just do your homework and, and do what's right for you. Not what maybe looks the best on a piece of paper or what makes, uh, you know, impresses people, just go with the agency, go with the team, um, be around the people that, that helped you succeed. And at the end of the day, that's going to be beneficial for you as a player or, or whatever capacity you are um switching back to junior hockey in addition to your ushl work uh, you also scouted with the hamilton bulldogs talk about how that opportunity came about and the task of scouting for the ohl draft
0: you know what that that, that came by luck you know i was uh, i knew somebody that knew somebody and they were looking for a scout and they called me and uh stevie stales called me and you know it was the best thing ever for me um and being a hometown Mississauga boy, growing up OHL, you know, never worked in a league before. And so I thought it was a great opportunity and just to stay and stay a part of the game, like in the junior junior ranks, right? And uh, instead of not just being youth. And so when they called and I said, absolutely, I'd love to do it. And uh, what a great opportunity, you know, like Steve Stales, what a professional he is. Like he obviously played in the NHL for many years, but the way he ran things would be the same way I would like to run my organization, just family, everybody's in the know, everything that uh, is what we're doing. Everybody knows about it. So, and so it was really, he made you feel important, yet he, he would listen to your opinion all the time where you can go to different organization and they listen to one or two guys and that's it. Right. So, and that's a, that's the same thing as picking a team. And so it worked out. I was lucky. I was fortunate. Um, I was there for three years. Uh, I still remember the day that uh, we were on the draft table and, and Arthur Caliab was a Michigan boy. He came to TPH. I worked with them every day and uh, what a great kid he was. Uh, what happened was we were at, first round we're sitting there and i'm like arthur right nope arthur right nope and he's like so we pick Connor mcmichael i'm like okay connor i go but we're not getting arthur well second round there's arthur up. we ended up getting both and we ended up using Connor mcmichael to trade him to london to be able to pick up a big player, and we end up winning, uh, winning the cup that year and uh, OHL cup, and so it was great. It was a great opportunity. Um, I enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, OHL is a great league, and uh, I got to be able to see both sides. You know, USHL versus OHL, and actually be inside of each locker room and see how they do things.
1: Yeah, definitely a great experience for you. And like you said, right place, right time, right connection. Uh, being able to get in that organization, but I think it speaks uh, to you know the level that Steve Sales runs an organization because, like you said, there are a lot of teams that uh, you get in a scouting staff of ten. There's only one or two scouts that you listen to. So, uh, as you said, like a team, uh, you got to pick every situation. It sounds like Hamilton was a, a good fit for you, and we all know that uh, Arthur Callie obviously had a has been pretty good at the OHL level and an NHL draft pick, uh, as is Connor McMichael. Um, but I think anytime you win an OHL championship, uh, you know, you can't uh, disagree with it, the process in getting there. So today you're with the Muskegon Lumberjacks and as their general manager, uh, how did you find yourself with the Lumberjacks, um, you know, after a di- couple different stops and then also uh, touch on some of the tasks that you deal with uh, today on a you know, daily basis?
0: Uh, it's a great story. You know, I, I honestly thought I was going to be in the OHL. Uh, this upcoming season as a coach, GM, somewhere in that facet. Um, I was driving home from one day from TPH and Rucker and Hunter were in the car with me. And it was uh, Steve Lowe calling me. And we've been longtime friends. He's done a great job in Tri-City. We've been out scouting together. We're always on the road because of what our job is. And uh, we always kept up And been a great relationship between the two of us. And he reached out to me one afternoon, I think it was Thursday afternoon, and I got him on the speaker phone and he goes, Jimmy, he goes, how you doing? I go, I'm doing great. He goes, I got a job for you. And I'm like, okay, what? He goes, I want to bring you in to Muskegon. I said, oh, okay. So I was like so excited. I didn't know. I was like, okay, this is perfect. But yet I was torn because I thought I was going to possibly be in the OHL as a, head coach GM and so we talked and talked and talked and came to fruition and the reason why I wanted to come back to you because I've been in USHL for 13 years I hadn't done it in UHL and you know we obviously all have dreams of NHL like am I going to be a coach in NHL I don't know Uh, but I want to be in the NHL some way if it's a scout or whatever it is and that's my dream once everything you know all my like Molly and Rocker are moved on and and things like that, um, but that's always been my dream. And so, this was a great opportunity to work with Mike Hamilton, who I worked with that four team, uh, work helped out with him for three years, and also to work with Steve Lowe. And I'm like, what a great coach, what a great president, what a great guy, Losey, I wanted to learn from him. Uh, he's always been a winner. Uh, he's a great businessman, and I just want to be around people that made me better. Like, and I knew these two guys were going to make me a better person and better coach, and learn a lot from them. And I'm like, never won a Clark Cup. I've been to the Clark Cup finals, won an Anderson Cup. We won a lot of playoff games, but just haven't won it. And I'm like, this is the perfect opportunity, and it was just all timing. And and so he called me on the Thursday by Sunday night the deal was done and so what a great opportunity for you know I'm still thankful and not only that it wasn't those two it's the owners you know uh the one of the best owners the two best owners in the league Bob Kaiser and Dan Israel like they you know it's all about uh the rink the community like they just want to keep everything up like you should see the rink from five years ago to today like they put a lot of time and effort into it uh to become one of the best organizations but also they want to win a clark cup and so it was all a family atmosphere everything you know stars were aligned and it was uh no-brainer for me to actually take the job
1: yeah so, it's, it sounds like it was a, a great uh, experience and you know one of those moments you maybe didn't expect it like you said you thought you were going to ohl and and here you go, you're driving down the road and you get that call. I think that's a, that's a great story. And it's always cool to hear those moments where uh, these opportunities come up. And, um, you know, again, it's a, like you said, picking the right situation that works for you. There was obviously uh, two people and then the great ownership of um, like-minded people that you, you felt uh, you could learn from and, and grow. And with those NHL aspirations, that was a, almost like a development area for you. And um, maybe a uh, played into the decision why you went there. Um, just looking at your program, you know, uh, you know, season was probably cut short a little bit, so, uh, that's unfortunate, but looking at your program as a whole, uh, where do you see your team and the organization right now? And where do you expect or even hope the program to be say five years down the road in terms of, uh, you know, just things overall.
0: That's a great question. Like Steve Lowe, like I knew he was always good,
1: uh, but
0: he's one of the more prepared, uh, business guys that i've met like he like he's got his excel spreadsheets he's uh communicates uh, uh there's no gray area with him and the one thing that when we came in he had a plan and this is our plan and i'm like this is awesome you know and and i've always had a plan but this was a better plan like he he's got his, uh, this is year one this is year two here's year three this is what we're going to have coming back. This is what we're going to do. This is what we need. And I'm like, this is awesome. And so that's the biggest thing is coming in, we had a plan. And what I like about it, we were ready for the draft. We we're very prepared for the draft. But yet we ran into some hiccups. Some players don't come. Some kids don't want to uh, report or whatever it is, right? And I'm not saying that's our situation, but – we ended up changing different like first round second round other players come available and so you, we had to be prepared for any changes that we were looking at and so i thought we did a really good job and he he had us all lined up like it was awesome you know like and as the gm i'm helping him i'm calling players i'm recruiting and doing all the little things, but yet I'm also helping the coaching staff, you know, making sure that our players are doing good, our academics are good, you know, because if you don't have your academics, everybody comes to our league wants to play Division One. If you don't have good grades, you don't get that opportunity to go to school. And And the one thing that a lot of people forget, like, you might not get a scholarship, an athletic scholarship, but you can always get an academic scholarship and still play hockey at that school. And so... It was neat to see how he was prepared and ready. And because if there's one weakness, uh, you know, myself as a coach or GM, that's, that's one of my weaknesses, you know, that I need to continue to learn those little things, you know, dot the I's and cross the T's a little bit more. And that's why I came to Muskegon is just to be around guys like him.
1: Yeah. And, and you really uh, emphasize the point of how he's organized and how he has a vision. I think, um, a lot of organizations, you know, they have the pieces in place. It's just those fine details that really bring everything together. Like you say, you, you dot the I's across the T's. So, um, to hear that you have someone good to helm and, and that there's a, you know, a course of action for the organization moving forward. And obviously you helping out as well. Um, it sounds like the organization's in a good place and it'll be interesting to see five years down the road, how much it has progressed and, and what success is coming your way. Um, reflecting a little bit more, uh, looking at the USHL as a whole, what are some of the major differences you see between, uh, the league now and maybe when you started in the early 2000s? Well, you know
0: what? Uh, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, my first year in the league, when we lost to Sioux City, it was a really good year. There wasn't a lot of high end players at that time, but as we went a couple years, like I think it was 2002, now 2004, now we had the likes of Paul Stasny. We had Matt Carl. We had Drew Miller. Uh, On the other teams were David Backus. Uh, You know, uh, Ryan who was a captain in Minnesota. Like just some high-end players that were like – so is the league different? Yeah, it's 100% different. But there were still great players in the league back then. And, like, I had a player that played for me, Jason Gwe- uh, Gregoire, uh, in Lincoln. He was my captain. And he would be the first guy that I would have said he played in the NHL forever. Forever. Like, he was so good. He dominated. Uh, went off to college. Was drafted, I believe, second or third round in the Islanders, And he never ended up making it. And why, I don't know why. But then there's a guy like Brandon Bollig, who's a 20-year-old, uh, never had a scholarship. Uh, It was February of his last year. St. Lawrence offers him a scholarship and he ends up taking it. The only team that offered him goes to St. Lawrence. He's there for two years. After two years, he signs with the Blackhawks. Two years later, I believe he won a Stanley Cup. So everybody has a different path. But like today, everybody that comes in elite, they already have scholarships, right? So now it's a different – you're dealing with personalities. You know, back then – Guys were probably a little bit more hungrier. Where today, and not that kids aren't hungry, because they are really hungry, uh, but it's just the way, the, how a uh, player was set up. And today, they got their scholarship. What they want to work on was their skill development. And there wasn't a lot of that back then. Where nowadays, we really put aside that opportunity for kids to continue to get better. Like Connor McDavid, right? Why is he so good, right? Because he does extra. Jack Eichel, like, why is he so good? Why does he skate? They, all these guys do extra. And so we allowed that opportunity for our team. I don't know if every team in the league does it. I know uh, uh, Chicago still does a great job. I know, obviously, the uh, National Development Program does a great job. Uh, but it's important that we still recognize today that we, you got to have a good team. You got to work on systems and power plays. And power, but we really need to continue to progress in skill development
1: I think that's one of those things that uh, maybe even outside USHL hockey in general has has gone more of a focus for skill development and maybe that's just the way uh, the game has changed a little bit and and you're seeing that these players like McDavid Eichel you know Mitch Marner there's a number of players that are super skilled with the puck on their stick and um, you know like you said if you want to be the best you got to learn from the best train like the best, so. Uh, one of those things that obviously have uh, played a key part in hockey overall and the USHL specifically. Um, looking back, uh, you know, reflecting on the process of learning, uh, which you've done a lot in your career and you touch on the continual learning, uh, what are some of your favorite resources to reference, whether it be, uh, you know, even just people to learn from or uh, books, et cetera? Is there anything things that you like to uh, kind of reference to learn new ideas?
0: You know what? Uh, I, I love watching NHL games. What we did at TPH and Brandon Narado and I, we clip every goal in the NHL, right? So I think you can learn from a goal, a goal for and a goal against. What can you do different on the goal against? What can you do different or what can you do or learn from the goal for? And so we, that's why we clipped them, but we also took all the best players in the world and we took their skill, what skill? So like, uh, every time Patrick Kane enters a zone, he delays and he looks for a second waves or he attacks. Uh, Connor McDavid obviously has that great speed, but why is he so fast? Because he always comes below the puck, right? Like he's always like moving before he even gets the puck. Well, that even makes him more faster that you're not going to stop them. And then you got like a uh, dad suit back in the day. He loved his cutbacks. So you take all these players and then what you do is you make all these clips. And so I do a lot of video with different types of players, uh, from NHL guys to college, all the way down to youth hockey players. And so I like to help these certain players or kids and uh just to teach them that it's not only about going up and down the ice. What are you gonna bring different? Usually what we kind of figured out is every NHL player has two or three high-end skills. Like what is it? Right? Like Dylan Larkin, he can skate, right? But what is it next that he can do? Well he can delay now. He can make plays, right? Because it's year one, he was beating everybody on the outside and score him well year two everybody just pushed him the outside and he had to change his game well now he added that delay concept to create second wave opportunities or cut to the net areas so I think the game of hockey is so fun to watch that if you watch each situation like even transition like puck retrievals when D go back for pucks like Makar like he's doing a shoulder check every time well shoulder check's not enough he's still got Ovechkin coming at you at 80 miles an hour, what are you gonna do next? So he adds in like a double cut, a weight shift, some sort of fake. So I think that this is the difference in the new wave of hockey. Like not that Wayne Gretzky and and all those uh, top end players back in the day, Marilyn Lemieux, like he was a uh, just an honor to watch, but now there's more of those guys. And so it, it's cool to watch, it's cool to see. And so that's where I like to get all my information. I, and and also talking to coaches. You know, you always want to see what somebody's doing different. Uh power play, penalty kill, four check, you know, like uh Todd Krieger, myself, Narado, a few other coaches will sit here in Michigan and we'll just sit there for an afternoon, ordering some lunch and talk hockey for five hours. Well, I'm anytime I can learn from those guys, I'm surrounding myself with good guys and with good hockey knowledge, right? So I feel like I'm getting better and I'm learning and, and, and understand it. And I, and I hope they feel the same way because I've been around the game for a long time as, as myself, but it's just fun to be able, like even being on this podcast, like, it's just awesome to be able, I've never real I've never met you, but I'm enjoying this. And it, and it's fun just to talk hockey. We could talk hockey for hours.
1: Definitely. And uh, I, I always have that trouble trying to, uh, you know, questions and all that to keep it confined because really, like you said you, when you get people like yourself and others that I've had on the podcast you just you know you want to stay here all afternoon and just talk about hockey and start swapping stories and things like that but um, that's one of those questions that I always like to ask about the resources because you know some people say books and some people say podcasts and, and webinars and I love all those too but uh, the perspective of just you know simply watching hockey and, and watching these top players and um, you know the initial steps of McDavid and the, the way that Patrick Kane delays and the strength of his backhand uh, puck movement and things like that are really um, where learning points come from. So another perspective uh, for a resource that I think many people should look into more if they haven't already. Um, you know, as your career as a whole, uh, you've had multiple stops and you've been in different areas of the game. Uh, I know you've touched on a few different uh, people that you've come, come across and cross paths with, but... Uh, you know, who are some of your mentors who really helped you succeed and through those interactions with those people, what are some of the major lessons that you've learned to date? Uh,
0: I got to go back to John Oliver. If it wasn't for John Oliver telling me to go to the rink and say, Hey, if you want this, you got to go for it. And J.O., he always, like he coached me playing pro. Like, like I said, he was like a father figure to me. And he just, uh, talking to him is like he, he it, it, I'm learning something every time he opens his mouth. Like I just sit there and listen, and uh, and it, it, it's just a neat thing. Just watch him. He wins wherever he goes. He's won in college hockey. He's won in pro hockey. He's won in junior hockey. Uh, WHL. Like he, he he's just been a winner. And anytime you can surround yourself around those guys, you hopefully you can he can rub a little bit off on me. Uh, so. And Mike Hastings, you know, again, like I know I mentioned him before, but Mike, uh, if he never took the chance on me, you know, like he didn't know me, he could have—he knows a lot of guys in hockey, and uh, here I was just bugging him, and he could have just said, "Hey, beat it," but he—he he actually probably did his homework on me, and he said, "Hey, I'm going to give this guy an opportunity, and if he never gives me the opportunity, who knows where I would be in hockey today." But he Omaha was one of the best, if not one of the top franchises in the world for junior hockey, uh, had won multiple championships, has always been on top of their game. And, uh, and he's always been one of the top coaches. Um, but uh, I also – I, I got to say my wife, too, Cindy. You know what I mean? She's been the backbone of everything. Like she, she's helped me when things have been down. She's helped me when things are good. She's always challenging me. She's always asking me questions. She's giving me ideas and, and I know it drives her crazy. Sometimes I'll just sit there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. No, 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 no. But, but the meanwhile, deep down, I'm sitting there listening to her because actually being a hockey wife is a very, uh, you have to have the right person, you do cause it's not going to work for everybody. And if it wasn't for her, she's really helped me with my success.
1: Definitely. Um, yeah, We've had a number of guests uh, talk about people really taking a chance. Uh, you know, like you said, the coaches who maybe never knew you from anybody else in the room, but there was something in them that said, uh, that said sorry, okay, I'm going to take a chance on this guy. I see something here. And, you know, like you said today, here you are in a position that uh, maybe you wouldn't be if it wasn't for that opportunity. And I'm glad you touched on your wife as well. Uh, that support, whether it be from parents or or kids or, you know, your spouses, it's it's without that amount of, um, you know, security from home and, uh, you know, support in everything you do, the the late nights, the, the road trips for scouting and, and all these different things, um, without the right, you know, support overall, it, it doesn't really work and you can't be successful uh, without it. So it's pretty clear that uh, you have the right support and you've had the people who have given you those opportunities uh, throughout your career
0: yeah it's it is important like you you have to be surrounded you always want to surround yourself with the right people and and i think it it takes a special person to give somebody that you don't know an opportunity and like even like the situation with muskegon like steve lowe calls me out of the blue one day well that wasn't even in my picture of my future you know and going back to ushl but the opportunity and the friendship i believe him and i i I think he believed enough that he trusts me that, hey, I want this guy. I want him to build an organization or a championship with. And so I, I think it's important that a couple things that you, when you, the hockey world's a small world, it really is. And you should treat people how you would want to be treated, number one. And because there's a lot of great guys out there. There there is like, and we when you get into the game and and as a coach or a GM, or even as a dad, you, you know, the, the heat of the moment, sometimes, you know, you get excited, right? But you just always down, you just gotta be down to earth. You gotta stay humble and good things happen to good people that work hard. They really do. It's just wait for your time, wait for your
1: opportunity. Great. That's great points. And, um, you know, very well said it's, it's definitely one of those things that, um, you know, you want to be a part of the hockey community and there's, there's so many opportunities that come if you put in the work and you treat people right along the way. Uh, as a final question here, I asked this to everybody, if you could go back in time and, and talk to yourself maybe at a younger age, or, um, if you could provide one piece of advice to an aspiring hockey operations executive, you know, someone going through school or someone maybe just coming out of their playing career, uh, what would that one piece of advice be?
0: I would say never give up. Never give up. It, it, like you're going to be told no. You're going to be told no again, and then somebody else is going to tell you no. And then eventually, you're going to learn why they're telling them no and ask questions. I think it's really important to ask questions. That, hey, what can I do better? Or what can I do to? What can I do to help you? Because there's always little things that that organizations or or even like uh, youth programs. Where do I start? Well, am I starting youth hockey? Am I starting in USHL? It all depends on who you know and what you know or what you do. And so I just think stay with it. Like if you really wanna be, it is tough. It is a tough to get in to the hockey world, but once you're in and you and you do the right things and you're, you're humble about it, it, it is a fun place to be. And uh, I'm thankful every day I wake up that uh, I'm part of this life
1: well I think that is uh, the perfect way to end off this podcast Jimmy I really want to thank you for taking some time today to uh, talk about your career and share some insight and um, like I said you know we never had the opportunity to talk before but I really enjoyed this conversation and hopefully we'll get the chance to talk more in the future and until then I wish you all the best moving forward yeah thank you very much I appreciate it all right take care take care to thank Jimmy for coming on the podcast and having the in-depth conversation on his career and past experiences. Throughout the interview, he was quick to dive into a wide variety of topics, so once again, I'd like to thank him for doing that. If you would like to get in touch with Jimmy to discuss his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or contact Hockey Minds Podcast at Outlook.com, and I can look to make that connection for you. On the next episode, I'll be joined by Jeff Tuohy, former OHL executive and former assistant director of scouting with the Arizona Coyotes. Jeff is an old school hockey mind who provides a wealth of knowledge and experiential insight, making it one of the more influential episodes, so stay tuned for that release. Once again, I'd like to thank everyone for the constant interaction and the immense amount of support through listening and from following on both Twitter and Instagram. It's been a lot of fun thus far, and hopefully, we can continue to feature a number of great guests down the road. As always, stay safe and all the best.